Change will not come if we wait for some other person or if we wait for some other time. We are the ones we've been waiting for. We cannot continue to rely only on our military in order to achieve the national security objectives that we've set. We've got to have a civilian national security force that's just as powerful, just as strong, just as well-funded. about communism, cultural Marxism, Alinsky, and Islam. Also find very interesting guests, including former CIA agents, authors, and friends. Reza, thank you very, very much for, uh, for contacting us and uh, agreeing to join us here on uh, Stay Mad Radio. Well, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. And uh, as promised, with me on the line is uh, our guest, Charles Faddis. Uh, open your mic right now. Charles, welcome back to Stay Mad Radio. How are you, sir? I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me back. No, that's, that's my pleasure, uh, our, our pleasure. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break right into bringing him right on. Usama, uh, uh, thank you for joining me here on uh, Stay Mad Radio. I really appreciate it. Well, it's my joy to be with you, brother, and I uh, hope and I praise that the Lord will use it tonight. Her name is Janie Johnson. She wrote the book, Don't Take My Lemonade Stand. How are you today, Janie? I'm doing great, David. How are you? I'm fine. I think this is her now. Uh, is this Addie? I Hello. am here. I'm listening. I'm... How, how are you? It's very, very nice to speak with you, finally. Yeah, it surely is. So catch this and much more. Exit. 
exciting content on AMAD Radio, Tuesday and Thursday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern. All right. Hey, we're back once again. Hey, we had an off night last night, but we it was for a very good reason. We um, I co-hosted uh, with uh, my good friend Tesla on a show um, dedicated to the Iowa caucus event uh, last night where uh, Rick uh, Santorum came in, uh, well, uh, tied with uh, Mitt Romney. So... Uh, uh it was uh it was an exciting night uh for a caucus event i was i was um i was geared up for it and i know a lot of the folks who listened to the show were really up for it can you imagine either we are all very excited about um about political the political uh, uh events that are shaping up because it's so important that we uh, relieve uh, Mr. Obama of his uh, responsibilities, or we're all just a bunch of people who have nothing else to do with our time. I'd like to go with the fact, uh, I'd like to go with uh, the idea that we we spend so much time uh, talking about these issues because we really do care very deeply about the course uh, where this country is headed. I can tell you that if Barack Obama were was not president, if John McCain had won the presidency, I would probably have to find something else to talk about because uh, you know I think the country might might run runs run a lot smooth you know smoothly. Uh, hey, well, let's get on with other, our introductions. Today's date, January 4th, 2011, Anodami, beautiful old town, Alexandria, Virginia, United States of America, planet Earth, third planet from the sun, and I'm your host, Dr. C. Robert Jones. Many things, uh, Many things are not what they appear to be at first glance. We know that there's no lead in lead pencils. That uh, abbreviation is a long word, while long is a short word. That motion pictures don't move. That the people of the frozen north invented sunglasses, while those of the sunny south did not. And and we know that heavy cream weighs less than light cream. So, now we'll see that ethics, the four theories of ethics are under discussion, or will be under discussion here tonight. Now, in defiance, in a, in, a, in, a, in a defiant display of executive power, Barack Obama today um, went ahead and bucked GOP uh, opposition and named Richard uh, uh, Cordray as a national, the nation's chief uh, consumer watchdog. Even though the Senate contends the move is inappropriate, senior administration officials told the uh, the, so the Associated Press that uh, the Senate's still in session, and that the normal waiting period to make such a move would be three days. But we know that uh, President Obama believes that he is above the law, and that the well, the Constitution is just a just a nuisance. It's a way to stop him from getting his agenda through. I find this to be extremely troubling in that the president seems to be taking extraordinary measures to get around Congress in an effort to – well, he he's saying that uh, you know that Congress is standing in his way of getting things done. Do we – 
are, are we living in a monarchy? I thought this was the United States of America where we had three equal but separate branches of government. Not where the president has loopholes in order to become uh, – exercise uh, the, the, the uh, dictatorship. Where did these loopholes come from? Recess appointments, uh, signing statements, executive orders. If the founding fathers – here's what's pissing me off right now. The founding fathers established the three equal but separate branches of government. Then how did we get to the point where things are so watered down that the president can actually do whatever he wants? I mean, haven't we seen that? The president can pretty much do whatever the hell he wants when he wants to do it. What happened to the Constitution? What happened? Why the loophole? I think – I'm starting to become so annoyed that I think what we really need is a, a, new, a, 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 a new constitutional convention where we reestablish and reaffirm what the Constitution really means. Recess appointments, signing statements, executive orders, it seems to me that the president can pretty much dictate what's happening here with our country. Does anybody else think that? All right. Well, before we get into all of that, we're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. You're listening to the C. Robert Jones Sit Rep. We do Internet talk radio. We receive support from a great many areas. We have listener support, of course, and some who help with the promoting. One group that often goes unrecognized are the wives of Internet Talk Radio hosts. They are the ones who tolerate our dalliances and the time we invest in our hobbies. Well, this is one way we can properly recognize those who are closest to us by broadcasting their sincere sentiments regarding our passions. Are you going to stay up on you have family, you know. You're always at that computer. How much money do you make doing that dumbass radio show? You're not the only one who lives there, you know. You better tell me I'm not bringing it in there. Well, that <laughs> that was interesting. That was one of the more interesting David Graham promos. I mean, he really outdid himself on that one. Because I tell you what, it's so true. It is so true. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. So... The call-in number is 347-884-8500. What is the deal here where the President of the United States can pretty much do whatever he wants? And all Congress can do is cry and whine and say, oh, you're not supposed to do that. You're supposed to wait three days. Oh, the con- the, the President's doing stuff that, that we don't agree to. Oh, we, oh, oh, it's not fair. It's just not fair. I am so deeply annoyed by this. You just don't don't know. You just can't know. Not only that, occupiers are planning a gay pride parade and funeral for the American dream in order to disrupt the New Hampshire primary. With several several attention grabbing protests before Iowa the Iowa caucuses, Occupy Wall Street activists proved their moment did not end when its encampments in the big cities dispersed. But they also showed the group hasn't matured into a political force, and it's not clear whether it will become 
a liberal counterweight to the Tea Party this election year, but they've got a whole lot of disruptive events planned. <sighs> children will be children. So now they're headed to New Hampshire in order to disrupt things, <laughs> and it's going to be a big mess. And then earlier this morning on Fox & Friends, my girl Debbie Wasserman Schultz, went nuts. It, why why is why is she on I mean, she has no credibility whatsoever. Has anybody heard Debbie Wasserman Schultz on Fox and Friends when she goes on in the morning? She says the stupidest, most outrageous things. She must think American the American people are just stupid. Just completely and utterly stupid. Take a listen to this outrageousness. And my girl Gretchen, she puts her in her place every single time. If you don't watch Fox and Friends 6 o'clock in the morning like I do, I'm up at 5. And from 6 until 9, I've got it on in the background wherever I am. I don't care if I'm in my car listening to satellite radio or in my office. Check this out. Check out this exchange. Tell me what you think about this. I know some of you have already heard it, but go ahead right now and dig it. <laughs> My goodness. Not dreams, certainly not me. Oh, whoa, whoa. All right, we've got a, ooh, a commercial thing coming up here, but let, after that, please take a listen. It's amazing. This woman is outrageous. I mean... In, on what universe, on what planet, what solar system does she think that the United that, that that the American people are such idiots? All right, here we go. I know you were sticking it out in Iowa as well, trying to get the president's message out, as most of the focus was on the Republicans. Uh, and now, is this the worst nightmare for Democrats that Mitt Romney walks away with a win in Iowa because you have spent most of your time? attacking only Mitt Romney. I, I think it was a pretty bad night, actually, for, for Mitt Romney, a great night for us. We used last night and the months leading up to last night as a test run for building what will be the most significant, effective grassroots presidential campaign in history. We had 25,000 Iowans show up to caucuses across the state, listen to President, the, President Obama live stream into those caucus sites, had an opportunity to ask him some questions and had 7,500 Iowans sign up to volunteer on the campaign and move forward uh, starting today right. to help him win Iowa and win on November well, at the 6th. Same time, so, a record a really for, night. At the same time, there's a record turnout for Republicans. 122,255 well, people same came out. To, as still, it's a record turnout. But I guess my question is, how can it not be bad news for you that Mitt Romney wins Iowa? Because 10 days ago, nobody thought he was going to win this thing. Now he's going to go into New Hampshire, where people think that he will be the inevitable winner there. And this is not good news for the president, because otherwise you wouldn't continue to attack only Mitt Romney. No, you see, Mitt Romney has earned that scrutiny because he has relentlessly attacked the president, mischaracterized his record, distorted the president's record. For, for Mitt Romney, um, it, it's uh, a really tough situation for him because when is a quote-unquote win a loss? When you spent six years and more than $4 million running for the second time trying to win the state of Iowa, and you spent the most and only beat the person who spent the least by eight votes. Uh -huh. that, that demonstrates just how little support there is on the Republican side and little enthusiasm there is for Mitt Romney's candidacy. And he's uh, limping into New Hampshire, about, and I think he's really damaged. What about the enthusiasm? Damaged? He just won last night. But anyway, uh, what about the enthusiasm for President Obama in Iowa? against the person who spent the least, not quite a victory. Because the enthusiasm sorry, for President Obama in Iowa, it, there doesn't seem to be a tremendous amount of enthusiasm if we look at this latest poll right now that shows the approval rating amongst Iowa voters polled, 45% approve of President Obama, 43% disapprove. And if we can go immediately to the Rasmussen poll, the latest one that shows the head-to-head -head between President Obama and Mitt Romney, this is a national poll now, and it shows that Mitt Romney would beat President Obama 45% to 39%.
What do you make of those numbers? I, I haven't seen that poll. Every recent poll that I'm familiar with shows head-to-head that President Obama beats any of the Republicans in the field. And I'll tell you, if you look at uh, – What poll is that? Enthusiasm in Iowa I would like to see that Michigan, poll. Particularly in Iowa for the president's campaign. Uh, look at uh, the same situation that George W. Bush found himself in uh, when he was uh, running for uh, re-election. That, that the turnout for him at those caucuses – was uh, was abysmal. Nothing like the 25,000 Iowans that we had show up last night to our caucus sites. We've made 350,000 calls into Iowa uh, for, to our supporters. We've got 4,000 one-on-one meetings that we've already had, 1,200 meetings, uh, house parties, training sessions, and, and that's all in an effort through our eight offices around the state of Iowa mm-hmm. to make sure that we have the significant grassroots campaign that we'll need to win this state again. And that's why all the Republican candidates close up shop today. We'll continue to expand our outreach and our operation here. Right. And like in every battleground state, run an effective mm-hmm. grassroots campaign. What is the strategy for the DNC moving forward? Will we see more people like Randy Johnson, who came out, a former employee, who Mitt Romney uh, let go from Bain Capital? Uh, Will we see more people like that the DNC will sponsor to come out and speak out against Mitt Romney? You'll definitely see uh, us at every opportunity helping Iowans and Americans understand that Mitt Romney has very little conviction, that the conviction that he has is to boost corporate America and the wealthiest, most fortunate Americans, that this is a person who has no conviction and willing to go from saying in 2002, as recently as 2002, that he supported Roe versus Wade and a woman's right to choose and now says he's pro-life, mm-hmm. who has really run as far to the right as possible. Let's, let's, keep, now, it on jobs. He, let's keep it on jobs because that so, was the reason that you pulled sure, out Randy no Johnson because he, you, you were trying to say that he was let go and that made Mitt Romney I'm, a person I'm who was going to gonna lose, jobs. lose jobs. But listen, I want you to listen to what Mitt Romney said about your boss. Listen to this. This is a president who lost more jobs during his tenure than any president since Hoover. We created more jobs in Massachusetts than this president's created in the entire country. So if the president wants to talk about jobs, and I hope he does, we'll be comparing my record with his record, and he comes up very, very short. And our research shows that from 2009 to now, 1.855, we have 1.855 million fewer jobs under President Obama than before he took office. So how will you combat that moving forward? Gretchen, first of all, Mitt Romney has absolutely no facts and has uh, every uh, fact check that's been done, he's not corroborated any of what he's said about his job creation. When he was governor of Massachusetts, they were 47th out of 50 in the entire country for job creation. So uh, Mitt Romney isn't, isn't being truthful when, it, when he's talking about his record on job creation versus the president's. We've had 22 straight months of job growth in the private sector under President Obama's leadership. We've gone from bleeding 750,000 jobs a month when he took office, thanks to Republican policies, to now, three years later, we've begun to turn the economy around. The unemployment rate is coming down. Mm-hmm. We, we've uh, had almost 3 million jobs created in 22 straight months. So we'll stack up President Obama's job creation record versus Mitt Romney, who was a a specialist at Bain Capital in dismantling companies and cutting jobs and right. forcing corporate businesses and, into bankruptcy. And the flip we'll go side head of to that, head against that job creation record the, any day of the, the week. The flip side of that is our research also shows that Mitt Romney created 150,000 jobs when he was in that position. Well, I, I had, there's no one that has backed that up with actual facts. All right. Well, we did. Uh, Debbie Watson. All right. Thank you, Gretchen. Gretchen put this winch in her place every single time. Every single time she goes on Fox and Friends, I don't even know why she goes on Fox and Friends and starts talking because she makes no sense whatsoever. None, mind you. And and you know what? I, I got a pet peeve. There's no such thing as quote, unquote, and then say the quote. Because if you quote, unquote, and then say the quote, then it isn't a damn quote at all. It's quote, Say the damn quote, then unquote, or end quote, which is more appropriate. It's quote, Debbie Wasserman Schultz needs to do something with that hair because damn, end quote. There we go. How hard could that be? And what is up with the woman's hair? 
my goodness. You know, get a stylist. It's just, it's like she 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 runs it under the shower or sticks it in a sink, and then just kind of wraps a towel around it, and then she walks on off. What the hell is going on with that? So last night, Romney, twenty five percent. Santorum, twenty five percent. Now Wasserman is saying that because. Romney spent more time in Iowa than Santorum and tied Santorum that it's a loss for Romney. Okay, that's one way of looking at it. But how about looking at it like this? Romney, president. Santorum, vice president. Boom. Barack Obama, game over. Does anybody agree? Does anybody disagree? When you've got an incompetent commander-in-chief who is behaving very much like a dictator, and you've got an incompetent boob as a vice president, at least you've got two guys who are running for the office who seem to be at the very least competent. So that's what I'm talking about. 30,015 votes for Romney last night at the Iowa caucus. Santorum, 30,007 votes. An eight-point difference. I'm thinking Romney-Santorum teaming up. Ron Paul, a very respectable 26,219 votes. 21%. My girl Bachman has gotten out of the race. She's done. I don't know why. Because Perry's sticking in. He's staying in. So why is Bachman getting out? Could it be that her feelings were hurt because she was born in the state of, 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 of Iowa and she was supposed to be the favorite daughter? And at least... Show a respectable third place. Perhaps she's upset because that crackpot, Ron Paul, garnered far more votes than she did. Either way, we're starting to thin out the herd and narrow things down a bit. And that's what I'm talking about. Now, if Gingrich can fall back and then this this lunatic uh, Ron uh, uh, Paul craps out, then we'll be good. So, let's, well, let's take a call because I'd like to hear some thoughts on this subject. Caller, you're on the line. You're listening to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. Brother Robert, it's Brother Sarge. How you Sarge. Doing, Hi, how are you? It's good to hear from you again. How's it going? Oh, man, it's all good. You're covering all the bases tonight. That's what I like to hear. But I decided I should try to answer the question that you put out there a little while ago. When is it the president gets to act like a dictator? You know, you asked the question, you thought we had three equal branches of government, right? Yeah. Well, actually, strictly speaking, we only have three equal branches of government. We've got three branches of government that are supreme in the powers that the Constitution enumerates to them. Uh, the most equal of the three is probably the legislative branch, but you can argue on depending upon which particular issue you're talking as whether it's the executive or the legislative. The weakest by enumerated power is actually the judicial branch, but you know, depending upon the day of the week, it could be the most important at that particular time. But the point of it is, though, is that the Montesquieu notion of separation of powers and enumerated powers is being usurped, as is, in fact, I believe, the presidency itself, by the usurper from Kenya, probably, Barack Hussein Obama. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. think that is what's going on. And, and why is that so? Because the Congress of the United States, for one thing, decided to let an apparent usurper sit in the job without a serious inquiry. It seems to me as if everything flows from that. I agree. Uh, but what could have been done differently 
to challenge Barack Obama's validity to serve as the commander-in-chief, what could have been done? Simply do exactly the sort of inquiry they did, which resulted in Senate Resolution 511, when the Senate conducted an official formal inquiry with subpoena power and subpoenaed documents involving John Cain's natural-born citizenship eligibility. Precisely Uh the same thing. They did it. The Senate held a hearing into whether or not John McCain was qualified as a natural-born citizen. It actually resulted in Senate Resolution 511. Well, then the Senate was that John McCain was, in fact, a natural-born citizen because guess what? He had two citizen parents. (laughs) Well, let, let me ask you this then. If if it's if it's if it's so easy to do and it was done, why wasn't it done in this case? Because you see, the fix was in. This is the ruling class circling the wagons around protecting each other. In both cases, uh, there is a question as to whether or not both parties put up a legitimate candidate. John McCain was not, repeat, not born on United States soil, as per the Virginia or rather the uh, uh, Happersett versus Minor decision of 1874. Mm-hmm. The Supreme Court said that a natural-born citizen was a person that had two citizen parents and was born on the soil of the United States. John McCain didn't meet that last criteria. He was born in Cologne Hospital in Panama City, Panama. According to the birth certificate, they supplied to the Senate when they subpoenaed it that resulted in Senate Resolution 511. Mm-hmm. So you got both political parties possibly putting up an invalid candidate. And now, uh, in order to avoid uh, the Democrats calling attention to what the Republicans are, which You there, Sarge? Official certifications of nomination that went out to 49 states with one copy and one that went to another copy. Uh, they didn't go quite as far as the Democrats did. But nonetheless, you could accuse the Republicans of doing kind of the same thing. And Republicans, frankly, don't want to face the implications, which I will admit are great, would be grave and horrendous of having to remove this usurper from office. I will admit, the, I, I am frightened of the implications involved in removing this clown from office and all of the, the incredibly tangled... All right, I think we lost uh, Sarge. I hopefully, hopefully he'll call right back. My question for this is that um, we have an election coming up in 2012. If there are a certain uh, unknown powers, those uh, folks in the shadows who um, are pulling the strings, why not pull the strings and get this guy out of office? He's creating more problems than he's solving. We've got Sarge back on the line. Let's go ahead and get in there. Sarge, yeah, you're back on the line. I don't know where I left off because, uh, you know, like uh, the Skype did it to me again. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. I, but, I, but as I was saying that, uh, you know, I, I understand the grave implications of confronting the fact that this man is not – we have not had a legitimate presence since January 20th of 2009. I understand the grave implications. They are horrendous. They might lead to a civil war. Who knows? But uh, it has to be faced. The Constitution is worth defending against mob rule, for one, or the rule of a Chicago illegitimate thug. Either way, we need to face this. Sarge, there's a way to remove him without causing any trouble whatsoever, and that's his his defeat – uh, you know, in November, you know, if 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 you know what I've been hearing all these years, are there there, there are certain powers behind the scenes pulling the strings and deciding who gets to be president, who gets to be this, and who gets to be that? If that's all true, why not just wait and remove the guy peacefully uh, during the normal course of a, a, an election cycle? Well, we certainly need to do that if we can't have this constitutional issue examined. Of course we do. The problem is it will be a de facto acceptance of the fact, a de facto uh, 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 amendment of the Constitution without, in fact, the amendatory process. We will be accepting the fact that you don't have to be a natural-born citizen in order to be president. Article 2, Section 1, Clause 5 was intended, placed in the Constitution, precisely for the reason of protecting us from Barack Hussein Obama. That's the reason for it. If it had been followed, we would never have been cursed with him. 
But we well, decided we were too sophisticated, mm-hmm. and we needed to be. Uh, we were so sophisticated, we didn't need to pay attention to the wisdom of the founding fathers by placing it there. And that's one of the reasons why we're in the trouble with this fool that we're in. Well, but 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 let let me ask you this because I asked the question earlier in the broadcast. You know, if Barack Obama has all of these loopholes that allow him to do basically whatever he wants, and all he needs to do in certain instances is bide his time. Then what's the point of the three separate branches of government? What we what we ultimately have with any president is a virtual dictatorship if they can uh, if they can act uh, using signing statements or or executive orders or recess appointments. Pretty much, well, uh, there's no check and balance here. And and we were taught. I was taught in school that there are checks and balances for the president ensured in the Constitution to ensure that there's no monarchy, that there is no dictatorship. Well, Doc, uh, you know, that's true, but uh, if if the, con- if the Congress is simply choosing to abrogate their responsibility, not like they can't do anything about it. They're choosing not to. They're doing nothing but spluttering and, 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 and whining and complaining, as you quite correctly pointed out, rather than exercising their prerogatives, their constitutional powers under the Constitution. If they choose to supinely roll over and play dead, then of course there's nothing that will be done. It's not like Congress can't do anything. They're afraid to do anything. They're afraid of his retaliation. Because let's face it, the president does have enormous power. He's the most enormous single. He has the most enormous power of any single individual in the federal government. He can retaliate. And if congressmen are afraid of that and afraid to undergo the retaliation that will surely ensue from a Marxist thug like this, then of course. He's going to get away with it. Now, well, you know, the what, question is, what, are you going to elect people who are, in fact, willing to undergo the flack and the fire they have to? I mean, after all, we ask soldiers to literally put their lives on the line in combat in situations where it's, there's a pretty near certainty that they could be killed carrying out their orders and their duties. We expect them to do this on pain of court-martial. Now, I would think at the very least we should expect a politician to put his political life on the line when there's a clear violation of the Constitution, an attempt to consolidate power, which is what the founders set up the three branches of government to prevent. When there is such a, a clear indication that that's what he's doing, then I, I, you know, if they're not willing to do that, they have no right to their offices. And, of course, the election should kick them out. If they don't want to do it because he's their congressman he's given, and he's bringing a lot of pork home to the district, well, we're just going to have tyranny and still – or installed upon us in this country. What could um, that's a choice? That's a choice. Indeed, it is, and 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 it's a, it's it's not a difficult choice to make in my mind. You know, you you choose uh, the side of protecting um, you know the Constitution and the continuity of the government and the United States of America. You know, all together at one, in one. But uh, what? Let me let me ask you this: What could what could Congress do? to uh, counter a an executive order that's deemed to be subversive by the president or 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 harmful to the constitution of the nation as a whole or a signing statement or a recess appointment what steps uh if, if, if could could congress take what would occur what? if the president of the united states said that let me give you an example an extreme example an example I'm the president of the United States. I'm going to uh, I'm going to issue an executive order disbanding all four branches of the United States military, and effective immediately. What could Congress do? Well, uh, Congress could immediately launch impeachment proceedings, because of course uh, the Constitution of the United States specifies that uh, uh, Congress shall raise the budget for an army and a navy. Uh, which would imply that an army and navy is supposed to exist in perpetuity. Now, make no mistake about it. The United States Armed Forces has been cut manifold times in the past. Yeah. Uh, first of all, the United States, up until the 20th century, never did have much in the way of a standing army aside from the Civil War. And we know the reasons for that. Uh, they even yeah. introduced conscription during the Civil War, for the first time in its history. It never had an army that large in its entire history until the war between the states. So uh, for most of the history, the United States didn't have much of an armed force. The First World War kind of broke that mold uh, because of the necessity 
of the enormity of the fight uh, in Europe. And, of course, the Second World War was not much more to be said about that uh, as the necessity of raising a large army. And again, but after the Second World War, amazingly, the United States Armed Forces was slashed to the bone by the uh, Johnson, uh, Johnson Secretary, of Defense, Secretary of Defense at the time, because they had newly named the Secretary of uh, the Department of Defense. And yeah. Robert Johnson slashed the armed forces, which was partly the reason for the pitiful performance of the United States Army in the opening stages of the Korean War. Yeah, uh, agreed. His training was slashed. The, uh, as you well know, I'm being a Marine. You know, a lot of Marines gloat about how they had to rescue the Army at the Battle of the Naktong Bulge. Yeah. But, uh, you know, nonetheless, the Army was in pathetic shape, truly pathetic. Uh, the whole armed forces had been slashed almost to nothing. And the Air Force, frankly, was getting a lion's share of the budget. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, this is just after World War II. We had the greatest army, particularly in the history uh, of the United States, certainly one of the greatest in the history of the world. And it was slashed almost to nothing and was just, frankly, gutted. So it's not like it's anything new. But then, of course, the Korean War and the, and the resultant Cold War called for an increase in numbers. And it never did – the armed forces, frankly, have never been at that pitiful state of disrepair since that time. So if the president was to all of a sudden decide he was going to slash the armed forces of the United States at this particular time, when there's yeah. a worldwide war on terror, I would think that would be grounds for an impeachment. So that would then, be time for them to haul out the idea of high crimes and misdemeanors for him to unilaterally slash the budget. Because remember, in the case of the Korean War, Congress did it, which is their bailiwick. And I mean, they yeah. are responsible for raising the budget for the Army and the Navy. Congress did it. The president just signed on to it. Okay? They figured they're going to get a peace dividend and all that, you know, with the end of the yeah. Second World War. Yeah. And it's understandable. In this situation, the, the, the president unilaterally doing such a thing, that would be grounds. Uh, for uh, 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 certainly a misdemeanor, if not a high crime. So for then, to the point, is a lot. to the point, then the only recourse that Congress, the Senate, and the House have, the only recourse, the only avenue that is available to Congress is impeachment. Uh, there's no way to to counter a signing out, statement. As you point out, they are mm-hmm. separate branches of government. One cannot issue orders to the other. They are, in fact, separate. The president can't order the Congress to do anything. Congress can't order the president to do anything anymore. Then either of them can order the judicial branch. They are separate. Separation of powers. That's why people are constantly saying, well, for them to do that, like the War Powers Act is really, frankly, to a large extent, a violation of the president's prerogative as commander-in-chief. There's actually a provision in the War Powers Act which requires Congress to have a vote after a certain amount of time and to order the troops off the field. Only the commander-in-chief can order the troops to or from the battlefield. Only he. Congress can't do it. But yeah. on the War Powers Act, it allows them to do it. That is a violation of separation of powers, in my opinion, and in many constitutional scholars' uh, uh, opinion. So there's a separation of powers. Congress can't order the president not to do anything or to do something any more than they can order him. They can impeach him, though, for high crimes and misdemeanors. In my opinion, that would be such a such a situation. To leave the country defenseless, is a misdemeanor of the first rank deserving of impeachment. So then the president can pretty much uh, sign signing statements as long as they don't cross that line into high crimes and misdemeanors. He can pretty much do whatever he wants. He is the chief executive. After all, that is what he's there to do. His most important function is, of course, constitutionally, commander-in-chief of the Armed Forces of the United States. There is no more important job he has than that. That is his most important single job. But he's, in fact, in charge the chief executive in charge of every executive branch of government, every one of them. And he to, has the responsibility to issue executive orders for their proper functioning, of course. And then to your point, your earlier point, it is important. It is monumentally important for a candidate to be properly and very thoroughly vetted before he is allowed to run for the office and assume such great, great responsibilities, such immense power over this country and, in some cases, other countries. Yes, absolutely. That was critical. And it's not like the requirements for President of the United States are so onerous. They are, quite simply, one, to be a natural-born citizen, two, to be 35 years of age, three, to be 14 years of resident in the United States. 
I mean, is, is this like rocket science requirements? Not at all. Does it say you have to be a college graduate? You have to have a Ph.D. in, in history or a doctorate in a, a, a business or, or executive governmental expertise or anything like that? No. It's pretty simple. Natural-born citizen, 35 years of age, 14 years of resident within the United States. That's it. You could be a convicted felon. That wouldn't be not a constitutional impediment. Now, of course, common sense-wise, you shouldn't vote for such a yeah. But yeah. that, that would not constitute you prevent you being president of the United States. You could be, uh, 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 you know, oh, Bill Clinton type philanderer. That's no constitutional impediment. You could be uh, 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 a liar, even a pederast. That wouldn't be a constitutional impediment. The only thing is natural-born citizen, 35 years of age, 14 years of residence. And, and I swear to God, in the case of natural-born citizen, there was an absolute unwillingness to look at it because the fix had been in. His law firm that he'd been associated with in Chicago, four years prior to his election, was writing theses on why the natural-born citizen requirement and the Constitution was outdated, obsolescent, and should be discarded. They were preparing the way for this man. They were telling all of their allies that when this issue was raised, you will not examine it. You will ridicule anybody who dares to bring it up. You will call them crazy insane, racist, lunatic, demented, twisted, uninformed, <laughs> ignorant, whatever you have to do. But do not allow this issue to be examined on any level. The Alinsky Alinskyize them yeah. to the maximum possible. Yeah. Don't even yeah. bring up the objective facts regarding the issue. I'm not talking about conspiracy theories. I mean the objective. Don't bring up Minor versus Haversat, Perkins versus Elg. Wong Kim Mark versus U.S., the Venus Merchant Man case of 1814. Don't mm -hmm. bring up John Marshall's letter to John or George Washington as to the reason for the natural-born citizen requirement in the Constitution. Don't bring up the Jay Treaty, Article 9 of the Jay Treaty, recognizing the dual citizenship of British and American citizens mutually between the two nations of Great Britain and the United States. Don't bring up any of the objective facts on the record. Just ridicule the people who have the temerity to bring it up. And tell sure, them how man. they're beating a dead horse, and there's yeah. no point in this going anywhere, and it's useless, and he shouldn't bring it up because, of course, we got Barack Hussein Obama, mm, 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 and he shall not be. <laughs> well, I tell you what, you uh, know, uh, you know, with all the things that's going on with the signing statements, the recess appointments, the uh you the the grabbing of power and 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 all of this going on, it is amazing to me Sarge that the guy's poll numbers are still as high as they are. I know that he, they they've gotten a 5-point bump over the course of last month and then went back down, but how is the guy maintaining 45% Forty-three to forty-five percent approval rating with all that he's done or simply failed to do as president over the last four years. To me, I find it to be completely amazing. Are the polls askew, uh, or, 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 or are folks just still very much uh, in, enthralled in this guy? Okay, sir. First of all, he has absolutely uh, about a twenty-five to thirty percent base that will not budge. Period. They're Democrats. They're delusional. They're utterly corrupt, or uh, they're, the, they're black voters. Yeah, and, and that and that and that base will not be moved. It was solid. It will be. You can't move. And I'd say that's probably over thirty percent or so of his support. Mm -hmm. The others are people who simply do not want to admit they've been bamboozled or have some sort of stake in his election. And, and I suspect, to some extent, the numbers are a bit inflated. I cannot believe this guy. Uh, you know, it, nobody's got has had has had higher disapproval ratings and gone on to win an election uh, in, in the history of the of presidential election, so they've been keeping such polls. So, uh, yeah. you know, I, I, say, I say that the guy cannot be reelected by any Republican candidate with a pulse and a heartbeat, I, 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 and I mean that. Uh, the only thing that would, uh, would alter that equation is, uh, other than being, you know, I'm talking about a conventional two-party uh, uh, presidential race with the usual meaningless slate of third-party candidates, would be a strong third-party candidate a la Ron Paul or maybe Donald Trump that might pull 6 to 8% of the vote from center-right moderates and conservatives. So then that do you – Failing that, 
He has no prayer of winning. I, I'm, I'm getting so tired of hearing this. Oh, if we do the wrong thing, we put the wrong candidate. The only difference is some candidate will be more likely to beat Obama more handily than others. Mm-hmm. Now, that's true. I believe any of them will defeat him quite easily. I don't think it's going to be a contest. Unless we have a strong third-party Ross Perot type or maybe even a Ron Paul type. Absent that, I'm utterly unworried about Barack Obama's candidacy and his, and his chances in this, in this election. If it was close, he could steal it. But there's not mm-hmm. that many votes to steal this time around. So you, you, I've, you, I've got you on record here, and I know you're gonna, you, you host a show uh, on Blog Talk Radio. I know where to find you. You know where to find me. I've got Sarge on the record right now saying that Barack Obama will be soundly defeated in yeah. November and that we will Absolutely. begin after the, the election to put this country back together. Absolutely. I, I, you know, the All only right. question is, that's the only question. My question is not whether the Republican candidate in a conventional two-party race will defeat him. That's not my concern. My concern is the direction of the country after we install the new president. Yeah. And I think we need to get as conservative as possible a candidate who will put the country back on the right path. I don't believe that's Romney. The best a guy like him could do with his record is a holding action. That ain't good enough. We need a reversal. There, there are Look, the, the disgusting revelations about Barack Obama, let's look at some of the things to mitigate, militate against this election and that will militate against the likelihood of being reelected. Remember, he didn't exactly win in a huge landslide. Yeah, he won significantly. He had 53% of the popular vote. Okay, mm-hmm. I mean, that's not insignificant. That's not bad. I cannot believe he's improved on that since then. When every single metric of a president, as we look at a president today, of a president's performance in office, every single one, it doesn't matter whether you talk about average retail price of a gallon of gas, price of a, uh, of a barrel of crude oil in Europe or in West Texas, price of gold, price of corn, price of soybeans, price of sugar, the unemployment rate. Uh, for generally, the unemployment rate for black people, number of unemployed people, number of people on food stamps, real median household income, the poverty rate, uh, you know, the U.S. dollar versus Japanese yen, U.S. money supply, the national debt. It doesn't matter. Every single metric this guy has made things exponentially worse. There's not one that he has improved the country in. Not one. This is object. This is fact. Matters of fact not matters of opinion. I'm trying to understand how he's going to get better since he's been in office. Now we have a real record to go on. He ain't just community organizing anymore. He's not Barack, <laughs> Osama, Barack Hussein Obama, the light worker, the Messiah, the heaven from above, the guy standing behind the fake styrofoam columns. He's not that anymore. He's not Barack Hussein Obama. <laughs> he is actually Barack Obama with a real record, an objective record to which we can point. He's the same Barack Obama told us who are 57 states that Austrian is a language, that Henry Ford invented the automobile, that he's lazy. He yes. said he was lazy. Which yeah, we, we, well, we already knew that. Trait. Yeah, that's his most endearing trait, by the way, because I guess that means he is, his lack of industriousness means he is less likely to further school up the country. I wish he would. I, that's the one thing I said. That's what I really love you for, baby. You're lazy. I love you for it. <laughs> well, you well, know, I, I love you for it. I've often said on on Blog Talk that um, what we have in office is a Jimmy Carter uh, redo, and what we need in order to counter uh, a, a second what we have what we have is in this case is a second Jimmy Carter is a Ronald Reagan, and we don't have that. I mean, no. Sant- Santorum comes the closest, I suppose, maybe even Huntsman, but. You you suggested earlier that Romney's not the guy. He's no. uh, he's a holder. He'll hold the office and he'll hold steady. But so then, in, let me ask you this: Who do you think uh, can bring us out of this? Who, who do you think would be the man? Who is our Ronald Reagan? Uh, we just don't have one. I, like you said, the closest we have to it is would be a combination of Michelle Bachman and Rick Santorum. Yeah. Um, yeah, Michelle Bachman couldn't get any traction in this thing. She's taking herself out of the race, uh, understandably. Rick Santorum on social issues is impeccable, pretty much impeccable. He's mm-hmm. got a problem with earmarks and, and spending. That, that I suppose they all do. But but yeah. I don't see him as doing anything as egregious as Barack Obama, raising the national debt uh, uh, 35 40%. No, he wouldn't do anything like that. 
I think as president, he would exercise a veto pen on spending, uh, yeah. which, which is one of the things the president absolutely has to do. Uh, I, I think Rick Santorum has the potential to do it. I'm able to vote for him as a conservative without holding my nose, even though I have <laughs> reservations about it. Which one, but, but, Romney or Santorum? I have to hold my nose. With uh, Mitt Romney, definitely have to hold my nose. At least with, with Rick Santorum, I don't have to do that. I can say, okay, I vote for him, but I got reservations. So what do you think of a Romney-Santorum ticket? Romney-Santorum? Yeah. Uh, Romney Look, I'm going to vote for anybody, even Mm -hmm. Ron Paul, that they call Nick Rock from. Ron Paul is, 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 I think, a lunatic in foreign policy in particular, Uh, possibly a racist. Uh, You know, but nonetheless, I'd still vote for him over Barack Obama without thinking twice. Barack Obama is just uh, in every way. Barack Obama is is, is a is disaster. disaster. He is a disaster. I mean, he said he wanted to fundamentally transform America. He said that human life, when human life begins, is above its pay grade. He supported infanticide. He thinks having a baby is punishment. He supports yeah. homosexual marriage. He's repealed "Don't Ask, Don't Tell." He's against DOMA. He thinks Americans are bitter by claiming their guns and religion. He ridiculed the Bible, exposed his absolute ignorance. He bows and scrapes the foreign leaders. He wants to punish success and bring the, spread the wealth around. Uh, uh, he scolds Supreme Court justices and State of the Union addresses. He took personal credit for killing Osama bin Laden. He wants electricity rates to skyrocket. He wants, uh, you know, I mean, uh, he releases a, a, a certificate of live birth that's most likely a fake. Uh, he wants to submit U.S. laws to the World Court. His stimulus package cost 278 grand a job. You can Preach go it. on and on and on for reasons not to vote for this clown. I have nothing to do with the fact that I despise him as a human being on a personal level, which Me is too. true. But I'm yeah. pointing to the objective record of his presidency, the things that he's done. He's, he's taken uh, during the Chrysler bankruptcy, which he nationalized two automobile companies. Think of that. I mean, this is fascism. Yeah. Yeah, he violated yeah. the Fifth Amendment and more than 150 years of bankruptcy law by illegally treating secured creditors worse than unsecured creditors. He stopped drilling off uh, off the coast, moratorium on drilling, which has led to an increase in, 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 in oil and gas prices. He's, rid of, he's trying to rid the United States of private health insurance. He's appointing czars all over the place. He appoints communists and people associated with child pederasty organizations to his cabinet. <laughs> I mean, okay, he said he wasn't going to hire lobbyists, and he's and, 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 and he's uh, had the most transparent admission ever, and he's hired what forty lobbyists. All right, sorry, sorry. Okay, I want to thank on the country than every president of the United States since Thomas Jefferson. Yeah, Come anyone on. but Beach Bomb agrees with you. Most of the folks in the chat room agree with you. Hey, uh, 2020 Radio Network's coming up at 9 o'clock. Sarge, I want to thank you for unofficially co-hosting the last 30 minutes of this show. That's always fun here. You know. <laughs> You've been wonderful. Thank you so much. And, of course, you put it exactly like it is. Thank you so much for uh, calling in. And let's move on over to uh, 2020 and see what's going on over there. Thank you, guy. I appreciate it. Help you have a happy new year and come back again, you know, whenever you can. We love having you. Um, we want to thank everybody for listening tonight. And uh, God bless you. God bless the United States of America. Once again, uh, Sarge has uh, put it out there for us to consider over the last, next uh, next show coming up. Uh, thanks, Beach Bomb, everybody for coming in, tuning in tonight. Let's move on over to 2020 Radio Network and see what's going on when over there. Good night, the folks. Garden, God bless you. God bless you. Tonight. You gotta watch your back. Well, I beg your pardon. Walk the straight and narrow track. If you walk with Jesus, He's gonna save your soul. You gotta keep the devil way down in the hole. He's got the fire and the fury at His command. Well, you don't have to worry if you hold on to Jesus' hand. We'll all be safe from Satan when the thunder rolls. We just gotta keep the devil way down in the hole.
Jesus' mighty sword And they'll shield you with their wings And keep you close to the Lord Don't pay heed to temptation For his hands are so cold You gotta help me keep the devil Way down in the hole Keep the devil 